Our statement of faith, this is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Our scripture text today is going to come from a familiar passage of scripture from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, and I'll read from the New Living Translation. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can God, can you, be, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled under the feet as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot, somebody say cannot, cannot be hidden. Now look at this. The Lord has given you his light not to hide you. He didn't give you what you have on the inside of you for you to hide it. He gave you something so that you would use it. He says, now look, no one lights a lamp and then put it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to every, somebody say everyone. Everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, let me begin by uh, just saying a quick word of thanks to uh, Minister Adrian Daniels, Sister Latanya Bryant, and Sister Kim Eady, and all those who played a part in uh, making our Mother's Day uh, celebration last week a very special event. And so I just want to say a very special thanks to each and one of them, uh, as well as you all who was, took part in it. And, and again, we were so blessed about what transpired. Now today we're going to start a little short series that I call it, Be a Good Influencer. Be a Good Influencer. Now because of the, the magnitude of social media and all the different platforms out there, people are spreading influence all over the world. There's contents out there about any and everything that you want to know. And, but because of that, some people have skillfully positioned themselves to be influencers. And we know that not all influencers are good influencers. So as followers of Christ, we should also be influencers in our families, among our friends, on our job, in our social circles, or in any space where we come and connect with people. We should be people of influence. Salt and light influences. God is expecting you to be an influencer. But what does influencer mean? I want to define this way. It is the capacity to have an effect on the character. Somebody say the character. That is the mental and moral quality that a person possesses. If you are an influencer, you ought to be able to impact the character of someone else. Amen. So it's the ability, the capacity to affect the character, the development. Development talks about the growth and maturity or the success. 
That's why these people online now saying, if you come along with me as an influencer, I can make you successful. Because I'm going to get you all these hits, likes, and all this, and because I got so many people that I influence, when you attach your name to my name, you're going to have that level of. So I can develop your business. I can develop whatever it is you're trying to do. And as believers, we're supposed to be developing Christians. We're supposed to be influencing each other so that we can become better Christians. We ought to have a circle of influence that we operate in, and the people that we influence ought to be able to influence. The third part of being an influence, it is that you affect the behavior, and that means the way someone acts or conduct themselves. Now get this. You can have influence over your dog. That's right. Because you spend time with him, making sure that he don't poop in your house. He didn't come to you knowing that. It's because of your influence that he learned that or she learned that. So if we can influence an animal, we got to be able to influence God's people. So as followers of Christ, he has given us the authority and the means by the spreading of the gospel, to be good influencers. Jesus' last words to his disciples, we call the Great Commission, where he charged and commanded his disciples to say, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The next verse starts with teaching. Somebody say teaching. Don't you know that a teacher is an influencer? So he has commanded all of us to teach others. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now get this. I'm going to start off on the negative side of this, but I'm not going to spend most of my time there because I just want to make sure that just like there are good influences in the world, there are bad influences in the world. So I need to show you that bad influences have been around for a long time. And, and bad influences are pretty good at what they do. So we can trace that all the way back to the garden, Cliff. All we got to do is go back and take a quick look. Don't want to be here long, but it may take me a minute, but I don't want to be here long. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, we're going to see that the serpent was able to influence Eve. And in turn, Eve influenced Adam. So this thing of influence can work both positive and negative because now, and it's, it's ironic that, you know, the devil, we all know the devil is the serpent. So it just so happened that that was the animal that was used, the serpent. But, you know, because I need to think that, need to explain that because, you know, the serpent is used in the Bible in a lot of different ways. It is used here to introduce sin and death into the world. But later on, we'll find out, and I think it was about Numbers 21, when the people had been cutting the food, God sent serpents among them to bite them. But when they repented, he told Moses to make a serpent and put it up on a stick, and anybody who looked up to the serpent, they would be healed. So now we see the serpent got sin and killing power, but it also have I would imagine that may be why the emblem for the medical field is a serpent wrapped around a pole. Yeah, yeah. 
and the same snake that bites you, his venom can also... And Jesus even equated the serpent with wisdom. When he sent his disciples out, he said, be wise as, but harmless as the... So what we got to understand is that this serpent was used to cause God's people to go against God's will. And that evil influence is still in the world today. Y'all in Genesis chapter 3? He said, now look at this. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. Who made him? <laughs> but this guy was clever. He was cunning. He was crafty. And one day, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? See, influence start when you start having conversation with folk. And they start asking you questions that you may or may not know the answer to. And then when they get you to a point that you don't know what to say, then they can influence you to do what they want you to. He said, now look, of, she said, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied. Now look, she knew the answer. Most folks, when they are coming under bad influence, they already know what the answer to good, good influence. <laughs> but somehow we can know the answer and still be influenced to do. Don't y'all get too holy right there because some of y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all knew the answer to some of the stuff y'all did before you did it. Grandmama had told you. Mama told you. Auntie Sue told you. Everybody told you, don't do. And then somebody will come in. Your mama didn't really mean that. Big Sue didn't really mean that. Surely they, they, they didn't mean that. Well, if they didn't mean it, why'd they tell you? So look at this. So how, this is how she answered verse 3. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. I know what we can do and what we can't do. God said, this is what God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will. Now, that's the truth. But the devil will come and tell you a lie, and you'll believe the lie before you believe it. And that's how it is today. It's easier to spread a lie than it is to spread the truth. People are susceptible to lies. It just do something to our psyche when a lie just runs across. We just want to agree with that. Now look what the devil said. You won't die. What? God created him. So how can he know more than God and tell you what you won't do when God say you will die? He said, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Look what he said, now I'm going to put you against God. God just trying to hold you back. He don't want you to grow to be all you can be. He don't want you to expand your wings so that you'll be like him, that you know good and evil, and you'll know everything. He, he just trying to hold you back. You know, sometimes that's what your, your children and friends tell them. Your mom and dad, they just, they're just trying to hold you back. Girl, they don't want you to do you. 
They, they, they're just trying to hold you back. They, they, they just don't want you to grow. They don't want you to spread your wings. They ain't trying to hold you back. They're just trying to keep you from hurting yourself out there. Letting somebody else hurt you. But when their friends get in their ear and tell them that, then now that starts making them doubt what their mama and daddy done taught them. And so therefore, that friend who's saying that has more influence than the parent. Some of y'all got children who listen to other folk more than they listen to you. And that ain't the way God intended it. He said, now look at this, verse 5. God knows that your eyes will be open as, as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Well, when they was created, God created them in spirit. They already was created in his likeness and image. So there was a, there was a lot like God from the beginning. And when God created them, everything that he created, he said was, they had not been exposed to evil. And, and, and God didn't necessarily want them, but if they were going to be exposed to it, that was a time and a place. Because look here, you go to one of the prophets and say, God say, I created good and evil has a purpose sometimes. God can use evil to get his mission accomplished. He used evil to punish Israel. But he was trying to protect them because of that. It looks like the very thing that he said don't do, that's what they get enticed to do. Most of the time, that's how it works with the people that we know. The very things that we say don't do, they forget about the 99 things that they can do, and they focus on that one thing. You got a car, you got your own room, you got everything you want, you just got to be home by 12. That's the only thing. You just got to be home by 12. But everybody else can stay out the one and two, and you're going to walk away from the 99% that you got for two hours. For two little measly hours. You're about to lose your car and your privileges. For two little... We got to know that our children are being influenced by people who are very subtle and you got to understand that you got to have more influence on your children than the world. I'm going to show you that here in a minute. He says, now, the woman was convinced. And this is where the woman get the bad deal at. Because, you know, she get blamed for because Eve turned her Adam on to the fruit. But Adam got the instruction from God himself. He didn't have to obey his wife. He did not. But Cliff, what this teach me is that women have <laughs> man, God can tell you something. If your wife comes and says, no, this is what we're going to do, man. This is what and bam. Forget all about what God said. She said. We just got through talking about this in the men this morning. Abraham knew what God said. You're going to have a son, man. Just wait. Be patient. You're going to have a son. But the wife said, look here, I'm getting old. Flower dying. You know, you need to take my little handmaiden over there. He forget all about what God said. Now we get Ishmael before Isaac. So what I'm trying to tell you, ladies, you don't have to fight for influence over your man. You already got it. You just need to be a good influence. <laughs> you, you just need to be a good influence over him. Stop fighting for something you already got. 
sometimes influence is better than power. Let him have the power. If that's going to put him on a trip and he thinks he's the power ranger, let him have the power. <laughs> you know, let him have the power. But let him also know that you can influence how he uses. Man, sometimes you just let him have the power, your house will be a lot better because he's tripping. That's what we do. We trip on that power thing. We, it's in us. So just let us have what God has given us, but just learn how to influence it. And if you influence the right way, whatever you need, he'll get for you. So look at verse 6. It says here, the woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful. You know, the eye gate. You know, a lot of things that we ain't supposed to do enter right through the eye gate. The world would be a lot better, because I've said this before, if a lot of us was just blind. If we could not see certain things, if we could not see certain things, we wouldn't be enticed by certain things. A lot of things that get into our spirit comes in through our eye gate. That's why you got to guard your eye. Job said, look, I made a covenant with my eyes, that I wouldn't look on certain things. Because if you don't make a covenant with your eyes and you look on certain things for too long, it'll get in your mind and in your heart and in your spirit. And once it get there, guess what? Your body will try to carry it out. She was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and it, the fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. God didn't speak when she ate her. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he got, forgot all about God. And he ate it too. That's influence. And you know like an old weak man, when God called him on the carpet, instead of owning up to his mistake, he'll do one when you get him. God, if you, if you hadn't created, well, she came right out of you, Doc. That's your rib. <laughs> you should have listened to me when it comes to doing right and wrong more than you listen to. And because of that, sin and death entered into the world. And we're still paying the penalty for that mistake. Major, can I say mistake? Was that an error? Was that just a different for, for, for that sin? We're still paying. We're made to know what I'm talking about. That's, a, that's the inside men's joke right there. But what we got to see is this, is that God wants us to be aware that in this world that we live in, there are influences on both sides, good and evil. And if we are not mindful that there are evil influences out there, then we will set our children up and ourselves up for failure. Amen. We have to be a counterbalance to balance off. They're going to get evil influences from everywhere, from social media, from schools, and everywhere they go, they can find an evil influence. But man, when they're in your house, yeah. when they're in your house, yeah. when they're around you, yeah. the influence ought to be good. Yeah. Go to Deuteronomy. This is how God expected Israel to function as a family, because this passage is going to let us see that God expects parents, somebody say parents, parents to be good influencers of their children. Healthy family relationships have a significant influence on children. And as Christians, we are to diligently 
incorporate the Word of God into their daily lives, right along with all the other stuff they get from the world. Whether you got them on an iPad or they on their little phones or whatever they got, they're getting influenced by a whole lot of things from the social networks out there, the entertainment industry, from friends and other folks. But we got to be more diligent in connecting with our children than the world is. And God has given us this responsibility because he told the children of Israel this because they was going into an area, an inner area, where there were a lot of bad influences. And so he was saying, look, in order for you to withstand all the evil that you're going to be around, there's certain things that you got to do. And you got to teach these things to your children. Now look at this in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4. He says, listen, O Israel, and I want you to see a confession here. The Lord our God, the Lord is, is the Lord alone. The Lord our God, the Lord alone. In other words, they were going into nations that worship many gods. And so he had to establish that, hey, you guys got only one God, and he is the true and living God. And now that you understand that, I'm going to give commands that he want us to follow. He said, look, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. Say somebody say your heart. Talk about your affection, all your soul. Somebody say your soul. That's what it's saying deep down on the inside of your spirit. And then with all your strength. Somebody say strength. That is talking about your energy. This relationship with God, you got to bring forth some energy to the table. You can't just love God and have no energy for God. That's why I have a problem. Chris said, I really love the Lord, but your energy don't let me see that. What you love, you put energy into. So you can't say, I really love the Lord, but then you have no, you're weak. No strength when it comes to God. You're not sensitive to the things that he's trying to speak to your spirit. But, but what we get, we get energy from a lot of other sources, but when it comes to God, we don't want that energy. Somebody say energy. And, and look, I would be nice and just say some of y'all just don't have it. You know, y'all just that person. You, you just kind of, you, by nature, you just lack of energy. But I just know that ain't how God wired us. We can show energy when we want to. We just got to make up in our mind when God commands us to love him with all our being that this is something that we got to see as an honor and a privilege to be able to love a holy God with all of us. And so therefore, when I look at it as an honor and a privilege, Pee Wee, I don't see it as a task. Like, I must do this. Even though he commanded it, but because I look at it, man, I got the privilege of saying, I love God. And God loves me. And when I look at it like that, when he asked me to love him with all my heart, soul, and spirit, then that's an easy ask. Because I love him. And so now look at this in verse 5. He says, you must love your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your spirit, and all your strength. Verse 6, I want you to see commitment. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly. Somebody say wholeheartedly. Some Bible say diligently, but it means the same thing. You can't commit to God with your half heart. Because divided loyalty is not going to work. You either love him with all of you, or don't even love him at all. You can't love something else more than him. He wants your whole 
And he know you got a family. He know you got a job. He know all those things about you, but he still wants you to love him with your whole heart. Loving him with your whole heart is not going to diminish your relationship with your husband, your wife, your children, or whatever it is you love doing. God is not telling you to love him wholeheartedly to take you off the golf course, Major. He said, he said, you know, I'll just use you as an example, mate. I mean, you like that. I can, every now and then, young people need to hear me use a real example, you know, because we can love other things. But I, God ain't got no problem with me loving other things, football, whatever, as long as I don't love it more than I love it. So he's saying, now look, you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Now look what he says. After I give you these commands, the thing that you got to do, you got to communicate them to your children. He said, now look, repeat them again and again. Somebody say again and again. That means continuously again and again to who? You, it's not a one-off drill. You can't teach them to say grace over their food one time and think they're going to do it all the time. You got to make them do it all the time. You can't put them in Christian schools and think the school going to do what you're supposed to be doing. He didn't give this, this assignment to the school. He gave this assignment to the parents. And primarily it was aimed at the men. But since we got some single-parent families here and ladies are playing both roles, you got to be able to teach your children and you got to know this word so you can teach it to them and you can teach it to them again and again. Over and over and over again, you got to keep God's word before your children. It got to be a part of your daily routine. You can't wait till Sunday or Wednesday. It got to start, I'm going to show you here, when they get up in the morning. Somebody say, repeat them again and again. To your children. And I know some of you are still in, the, in, the, in that zone where you're raising children. Some of us have gotten out of that zone, but you're still supposed to have influence over your grown children. Amen. Now, you can't go out there and tell them and, and command this and command that, but they ought to listen to you enough, and now that you ought to have enough influence that when they get ready to do something stupid, at grown stupid instead of child stupid, you still got to step up and say, hey, that ain't right. Or they grown, now they do what they want. No, no. Now, see, because sometimes when they get grown and dumb, it's because we left them dumb when they were children. You, you ain't got nobody to blame but yourself when they get dumb at 21 when you didn't teach them to be smart at 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. And the world has did more to teach your children than you have. And I'm not here to bash you today, but I'm just here to impress in somebody's heart that God take this serious. We got to teach our children over and over and over and over again because they don't get it the first time. Learning is a matter of repetition. You have to repeat certain things to your children. They don't want to hear it. But that's okay. They ain't driving the train. You are. Amen. You the conductor of the train. He said, now look, this is, I know how deep this is when he goes further. After he said to repeat it again and again to your children, he says, talk about it, talk about them when you are at home. 
your children come in, and the first thing they do is go get in front of they whatever, you know, instrument you let them play with all night. You may say, go in there and get your homework. Then they say, I'm through. They don't see you to dinner. Then after they get through eating, they go back to their little toy again. They don't see you. She said, go get in the bath. Go take a bath. Go get in the bed. You ain't teaching them nothing. You busy. I got to do this. No, no, your responsibility is to teach your children. While you're doing what you're doing around the house, you may be able to teach them what you're doing. You know, my mama taught me, you know, it wasn't no thing that, well, girls wash dishes. That wasn't how it works in my house, man. <laughs> well, we didn't play that. When mama got to wash dishes, she taught me how to wash dishes. My mama taught me how to mop the Taught me that. Then when I went to school, the teachers taught me how to mop. They had that kind of power back then. Because we, we, we didn't, in the little private school I was going to, we didn't have no janitorial service. We were. And so when the teachers say, hey, look, you go get a mop, you go get this, y'all finna clean up this place. We pay tuition. We ain't, well, no, you finna clean up. Nowadays, some of your kids go to the little school, they have to clean up, they'll have a fit. They'll file a complaint. <laughs> they ain't been taught to clean at home, they ain't gonna clean nowhere else. Learning got to start at home, man. He says, talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, on the way to soccer practice, track meet, wherever you're taking them. Talk to them about the word. Talk to them about the things of God. Don't just give them their little gadget back there in the back seat and say, go for it and we'll be there in 30 minutes. No, during this 30 minutes, I'm going to try to pour something into you when we're on the road. This thing got so, so tough on the road, they had to put TVs in cars now. Because we can't talk to our kids while we travel. We got to put a little gadget back there so they can watch their own DVD. And you driving for four hours and ain't said not one word to them. Now, I wouldn't have a problem if they was watching some Christian vegetables or something like that. But they watching Power Rangers and they watching these little monster movies. What? And then you're going to know why they act the way they do. It's what you're putting into them. Influence. The things that they watch and see and hear the most is going to influence them. He said, so when you're on the road, some of you came with kids today on the way home from church. Teach them something. They ain't going to hear they're going to say, this is a new phenomenon. What, what's going on here? <laughs> you don't never talk to me on the way to your way from home from church. But not after today, I've been influenced by the word. The word told me that I got to train you on the way home. When you are going to bed, so the job don't stop after you come off the road. When you get ready to put them to bed, Pee-wee, you got to teach them. The last thing they ought to be hearing before they go to bed is something by God. Now, I wish I had done this. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's not like I did this with my kids coming up because I, I, I just didn't know it was this deep. I, I was one of those who say, we send them to Sunday school, they're in BTU or BYU, whatever, whatever was in the Baptist church. They're getting all that little stuff like that. It, they, they're okay. But that wasn't enough because as they got older, 
BYPU didn't stop something from happening. It was my responsibility to stop those things from. Because on the way home, we weren't talking about what we learned at church. When they go to bed, and then look at this, when they get up in the morning. Good God Almighty. That may be your best time to catch them, when they're fresh. Yeah, they ain't got their mind on Power Rangers at, you know, 6.30, 7.30 in the morning. You, 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 you got a captive audience right then. After they woke up and got a whole day's worth of stuff into them and the kids and told them what's the new out there and the latest thing they need to be watching, and some of y'all the same way, when y'all wake up in the morning, you, you know, you may give God a little bit, but all day long you hear all these influences. And now you can't wait to get home to see what somebody done told you. Did you see that last episode of this? Oh, man, it was, it was, oh, man. Shonda Rhimes, she really, boy, she bringing it now, man. You know, she got some stuff out there now. You, you got to see that. Oh, who is she? Didn't even know who she was before somebody dropped her down. But because her name carries some weight, somebody dropped her name, and then now I'm researching, well, who is she? What does she do? And then, for, oh, I know why they say that. Man, she makes some stuff that can have some influence. Don't get quiet right there. Some of y'all may be a fan. I ain't knocking it. I ain't knocking it. She just can't have more influence than God. And so this responsibility when it comes to our influence, man, we have to take it serious with our children. I thank God here that at Striving, we do, our youth department, do a great job of trying to be a good influence on your children. So as I'm telling those people and the people of the spot, they do a great job. But it's not their responsibility to do all these things that God has commanded you to do as a parent. And I think if we can do that with our children, we'll be making deposit into the next generation. And so we have an awesome responsibility to be committed to what God is telling us to do when it comes to being a good influence. My last turn, in 1 Thessalonians, for the day, in 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1. We need to be influencers when it comes to evangelism. Influencers in evangelism. Here we see the Apostle Paul and his companions, you know, who had shared the good news to the, of the gospel in such a powerful way uh, that the people were influenced to the point that they got so caught up in the gospel and they believed so much what the apostles and his companions had said that they turned away from following idols to following the true and living God. And because they made such a drastic turn, their influence spread all over the region. So meaning that when you make a change in your life that's so significant that people who knew you before the change, your change can have influence on people. Are y'all with me in 1 Thessalonians? Look at this. In 1 Thessalonians, again, you got to know something about Thessalonica. It was a, a pretty large, you know, city. It was the capital city of the Macedonian region of the Roman Empire. And because it was, it was a multicultural city. So it was a lot of influences that come through there. It was a major trade route that went through there. So these people were being influenced by a little bit of everybody. And a lot of the things they was influenced was, uh, 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 well, experiencing was the influence of idol gods. Most of these people worship idol gods. They had idol gods' temple, the temple of Zeus, and some of these bigger temples. They were all they were there, and they was close by. So they was always under the influence 
of evil. And so once they got saved, if the gospel does not have a greater influence on them, they will continue to do what is evil. But the testimony is that the power of the gospel is supposed to change somebody's life. And when it changed their life from evil to good, then that becomes your testimony. At one time, you was a Thessalonian. You was doing something that was not lining up with God's word. But somehow the gospel got to you and it had an influence on you. And now God is expecting you to take that influence and influence somebody else. Look at what the writer said in verse 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He says, after Paul got to kind of tell them, you know, how they've been praying for him and acknowledging the great work they've been doing, and he told them that God loves them and, and, and all the good things, then he started to break down this thing about how they were influenced. He says, in verse 5, I say, for when we brought you the good news, somebody say the good news. When we talk about people talk to people about the gospel, man, it ought to be good news. We got to let them know we're not bringing you bad news. We're bringing you something to enhance your life, not to take away, not to, you know, diminish you. This is going to make you better. This is good news. You need to know what the Lord did for you so that your life could be better. Sometimes I think we go to people and we never introduce Jesus. We start introducing how, you know, we want to what, tell them, you need to stop this, stop this, stop that. Well, they'll figure that out. You need to introduce them to Jesus before you introduce them to what they need to stop doing. Because the stop doing part is going to take some time. You know, it's going to take some influence to get there. But we got to introduce them to the good news, the fact that Jesus died for them. That, that no matter how bad they were, no matter what they're doing, hey, his blood covered all that. So he said, now look, when we brought you the good news, it was not with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave us full assurance that what we said gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. He said, now look, we didn't come to you with no weak gospel. We came to you in power. When you go out and talk to somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ, you got to go in power. You can't go out there and act like you don't know what you're talking about, like you don't believe what you said. you got to go in power and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And once you start speaking in power, living in power, someone will believe you got that power. But you can't do it if you don't believe it. If you don't think there's no power in the gospel, it was powerful enough to change your life. It'll be powerful enough to change somebody else's life. We got to stop presenting the gospel in a weak manner like if we are timid when it comes to talking about Jesus Christ and the gospel. You tell it like it is and then let the chips fall where they may, but you present it with the Holy Spirit is power. And see, when you do that, it gave them full assurance that what they said was true. And it says, and you know and you know of our concern from you by the way we live when we were with you. Not only did we talk it, we lived it. When we explained this thing to you, then when we got finished, we tried to live it before you. So therefore, when our demonstration, you know, match up with the lecture, that makes it that much more powerful. But you got to believe the lecture too now. Don't throw away the truth of the gospel all because you don't like the presenter. 
So you believe the truth, and then we pray that the people who present this truth to you, when they step off the stage, that they're going to try to live what they just presented to add more power to it. But it's powerful whether I live it or not. It's powerful because the word is true, and that's what I'm preaching, the word of God. He said, but we live this thing before you. He said, now look, so you receive the message, somebody said, with joy. When the word go forth, if you're a scholar or a student of the Bible and you love God's word, you ought to get joy, man, down in your soul. When you read a passage of scripture and something just light up in you. You mean, I done read that so many times before, but now that I read that it got new meaning, I get this is supposed to be a time of joy when the word comes. This is not a time for you to sit here in misery. How much longer we got? No, baby, this is joy time. The word of God is being for. You know, some of y'all to be reading on ahead of me and say, wait, what are you going to say when you get there? I'm looking for God to give me a revelation so that when he get there, I've already got a clue what God is talking about. This is going to be joy time. You should be sitting here looking like you're sucking on a lemon. Bobby. When I look out there, I ought to see joy on your face. Not dismay. How many more turns he got? <laughs> that robs your joy. The word got to be received with when it's received in your heart with joy, it'll take root. And once it takes root, it'll start bearing fruit. But you can't receive it with joy if you turn it off before we get through it. I'm going to finish it up. I ain't trying to use that to justify preaching long because y'all know me. I, whenever I quit, I quit. But, but I'm almost done. He said, now look, you receive the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. He said, now look, we, you know, we got a better deal than these folk. When they received the word with joy, they got the beat down. Y'all going to receive the word today in joy and walk out the door and nobody going to be ready to beat y'all down. Not like these folk. Some of us, some of us couldn't, we, we couldn't, we could never, we couldn't handle this. We can't have the folk talking about us a little bit, let alone somebody going to beat us down for the gospel. Severe, severe persecution. Severe suffering. The word, look, I don't believe that the word got to always bring us severe suffering. But look here, when you lock into God's word and start trying to live like God wants you to live, it ought to bring some bit of confrontation from some folk who just don't like you making this change in your life. If everybody that you knew before Jesus don't see no change in you and they, they treat you the same way and they just like being around you, it's obviously you have not changed. You're supposed to now be salt and light and when you go back around them, you're supposed to have influence. And when you start sprinkling a little salt on it, if they don't like it, they're going to let you know. But that's okay. You still have an obligation to to influence them. You still have an obligation to be light. You still have an obligation to shine in the midst of darkness. And if darkness talk about you, so be it. You're doing what God called you to do. He says, now look, 
when they did that, he said, man, you are imitating both us because we, the, the apostles, they went through a lot of suffering. In fact, most of these guys died for the cause. And the Lord, and we know he died for the cause. He said, now, as a result, in verse 7, you have become an example. Uh-oh. You believe what we taught, and you got persecuted for that. Now, you have become an example for everybody else. Now, you got in. As a result, you have become an example for all the believers in Greece but throughout both Macedonia and Acadia. So now because you have been steadfast in your faith, you are now an example, all because you accepted this word with joy as to being the truth, and you're trying to live it out. We got to try to live this Bible, man. We just can't come to church on Sunday and hear a good word and then say, okay, I went to church, but now I got to take something out of this scripture, man. If you got children and you walk out of here today and don't take that pastor Deuteronomy to your heart and start practicing your house, you wasted your time. The lecture must be followed up with demonstration. He says, now, the word that started to spread, look at verse 8. He says, now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Acadia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it. We ain't got to tell them nothing. Man, man y'all influence is now so broad, people done heard, they done seen your little 30-second clip, and they, they done seen that clip, and now everybody all over the world will see your little 30-second clip. Before, before we even get there, people talk about, did you see that little clip? Did you see that little, you know, what they call them, clips? Of that, you know, that little 30-second spot you put out there on TikTok and that talk and all them different talks out there? You know, you ought to make one that got some influence that talks about Jesus. Just 30 seconds with you just being influential, talking about how much you love him in, a, in your own real way and see what happened to it. Just throw it out there. You ain't got nothing to lose. You're already out there on the platform anyway. You might well put some content that you control, control out there. Lord, have mercy. I thought that would, I, I hope that didn't go over. Because, you know, social media is the, is the thing of the day. We might as well use it for the kingdom. He says, people are talking about you even beyond the region of Acadia and Macedonia. And we don't even have to tell them, Cliff. They already know. He said, look, and I'm done. For they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turn, somebody said turn, how you turn from idols to serving the true and living God. Look at this. If you have not turned from something, you have not changed. And until you turn from something, you're not going to be able to influence anybody who you're turning away from as long as you're doing what they are. But once you turn away from something and turn to the true and living God, now you have the capability to go back and influence someone who's still doing what you were doing when you were with them. And so therefore, the word ought to get out. All of you all need a turn testimony in your repertoire. I mean, on any given Sunday, I ought to be able to say, hey, sister so-and-so, get up and tell me your, give me your turn testimony. 
And the spirit ought to bring something up to you that, hey, man, I was walking this way doing this, and bam! I turned around and started going in a different direction. And when you start going that different direction, somebody else is supposed to be following you in the direction that you're... God didn't turn you just to turn you alone. He turned you so that you can be an influence on others to turn them. Somebody influenced you, now you got to go out there and influence the world is not going to change and get any better until the church starts influencing some of the things that go in the world. The, we got it backwards. The world influenced us more than we influenced the, the world. We want to catch on to all the latest things they are doing instead of saying, hey, we got the good news. And we can tell you about some things that's going to make your life better. So I'm encouraging you today. Be a good influencer. If you're on social media, man, go out there, get your likes up. But let them like you for the right reason. You ain't got to put garbage out there just to get some hits and some likes. You can put some good stuff out there. Influence someone with what you done been taught. Some of y'all are in that zone right now where you got kids and got friends and got kids, and you know their household jacked up. They're your friends. So this message may not be for you. It's for you to take them and say, hey, look at me. I went to church today. Look here. I need to help you with your children. Because God done gave you an awesome responsibility. And it's a true statement. If you won't raise them, the popo will. That's why he put me in your life for me to just share this with you today. And I want you to take it to heart because this may save one of your children. So you got to do something with the word once you get it. Be an influencer. And, you know, like that picture Marcus got up there, that's a good example. That's, I guess that's what they're doing now, man. I talk to people, young people now, they don't even want to work no more. They say they're just going to be influenced. They're going to sit at home and just influence and just rake it in, just sitting there. You know, can you imagine, and I'm through preaching, but just give me, can you imagine if I just had one opportunity and I use her since everybody knows. If I just had one opportunity to call Oprah one time, and me and her stayed on the phone for just 10 seconds, and I put that clip out there with me and her talking for 10 seconds, man, my likes would be all over the place. <laughs> Why? Because of her. We got to have influence. And we can't do that if we're going to remain silent. Amen? Give the Lord a hand, cup of praise, if you will. Thank you, Lord.